One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Rudy! Oh, wonderful! What a goal! Aguero! Staggering! Just staggering! Here's the chance, and there's the hat-trick! Karim Benzema! Good morning! It is March 9th, 2023 on planet Earth, and welcome to Extra Time with Liam Horobin, presented by... Betway, Betway, bet responsibly, always. Hopefully you didn't listen to my picks last week because I believe we went over two. What did I say? I said Nottingham Forest would beat Everton at the City Ground. That one went two-two. Brennan Johnson grabbed a couple of goals there. I think they were losing. I'm trying to pull it up quickly. Ba-ba-da-ba. Yeah, they were losing two-one. Damari Gray and Dakari scored. That's not how you say his name. I don't know why I said it like that, but yeah, either way, 2-2. And then there was the other match. You may have heard, if you're a Liverpool, if you're friends of a Liverpool fan, Manchester United lost 7-0 to Liverpool over the weekend. That is truly something. I, I want to meet the person that put a couple of shillings down on Manchester United to lose 7-0 to Liverpool at Anfield, but it was amazing. It was amazing. Liverpool, you know, like, to their credit, they've kind of they've kind of found their groove a little bit again, right? Since coming back from, is it fair to say the World Cup? Probably not. I'd say maybe the last handful of games, actually. Besides the, uh, besides the Real Madrid result, everything else has been going fairly smoothly for them. They lost 3-0 to Wolves. That's kind of from that point on is where it got better. Lost 3-0 to Wolves. Then they beat Everton 2-0. Beat Newcastle 2-0. And it's funny because Newcastle went down to 10 men. But they were already down 2-0. And then Liverpool didn't score again for the rest of the match. So there was that. Obviously, the Real Madrid result. But they were up 2-0. And then it just all went... It all went down the drain now. We'll see what actually happens in the... Uh, the second leg next week when they go to the Bernabeu and they need to score four goals and not allow any to advance to the next round of the Champions League. If you think that's going to happen, you might be crazy. But I guess crazier things have happened in the Champions League. Or have they? Nope. Crystal Palace nil, Liverpool nil. Then Liverpool got the revenge on Wolves, beating them 2-0 at Anfield. And Dyke and Salah grabbing a couple. And then, yeah, 7-0. 7-0 against Manchester United. I think some of them, you maybe got a little lucky, I suppose. But what were they? I think they had eight shots on target. And seven of them went into the back of the net. So, 
I guess on the Manchester United side of things, kind of disappointing. Clearly some Caribou Cup hangover, which is also disappointing because I get it. I'm not trying to discount what Manchester United did. They won a cup, which is which is good. Any team that wins a cup is, is successful no matter what the trophy is. But, ah, I wouldn't let it linger for too long if I was a United player. And clearly they have, but they've been on a fantastic run as well. They obviously knocked out Barcelona in the Champions League. Uh, sorry, uh, Champions League. You wish. You wish, Manchester United fans, but it was actually the Europa League. Knocked them out there. Massive result, obviously. Then beat at West Ham 3-1 at home. Now they actually play Real Betis today, which will be a good test. Pellegrini is the manager of uh, of Real Betis now, I believe. So he's familiar with Manchester. I wonder if he'll go back to his... Yeah, there you go. Manuel Pellegrini. Who else they got? Claudio Bravo. Home of Barcelona, man. Maybe he'll avenge his friends. Martin Montoya, another Barcelona man. Ooh, William Carvalho, too. Sometimes you just forget who's on these teams. Wakimi, absolute legend. Wakimi. How old is he now? 41 years old. I remember growing up and this guy was kind of like the big Spanish player that that wasn't playing for one of the big clubs, but like in in Spain as in like Barcelona or, or Real Madrid. Played 259 times in his second spell with Real Betis. 30 goals. He's also been on Valencia. He was on that Malaga team too, who got a bunch of money. Went to the Champions League that one year and it was great to see. And then just kind of fell off. I don't think the money, I don't know the full story, but the money didn't go quite as well. They're not even in La Liga anymore. They're in the second division of Spain. They're actually in the relegation spot. 20th, 20th out of 22 25 points and 10 points out of, a, out of a relegation spot. So, yikes. You do not like to see that. It's always a shame, isn't it, when you kind of see those clubs get a little bit of a little bit of hope and then all of a sudden it just dies off. So, yeah, a bit of a tough one. Bit of a tough one for... Um, who are we talking about? Malaga. But if you are curious, go look at that Malaga team that they signed. Who did they have? Uh, Batista... From, he played for Real Madrid and Arsenal. I think Isco was on the team. I don't know. They had a bunch of players. I think Ruud van Nistelrooy even might have had a might have had a time with them. So very interesting. Very interesting. But anyways, back to the matter at hand. The Champions League happened this week. Is back. We had on Tuesday Benfica Club Bruges, Chelsea Dortmund. And then yesterday, on the Wednesday, we had Bayern Munich, PSG, Tottenham, AC Milan. There was also, if you're curious at all, which some of you might be, the CONCACAF Champions League, which I've never really dug into before. And I'm not going to lie. When I lived in England, my favorite part about the Champions League was having matches midweek, kind of go about your day and you come home and you watch the match with your dad, whoever it may be. Manchester United were always a big team to watch back then in the mid to late 2000s. And then, obviously, other teams, Inter Milan, were fantastic. Porto had their run. It was a lot of fun stuff. So it was very nice the other day to to sit down on my couch and just watch some Champions League. It wasn't as high quality as the UEFA Champions League, but it was good. I watched Vancouver versus Real Espana, 
who is a, a Honduras team. They were saying on the broadcast, it's kind of one of those teams that's, that's coming up through a little bit. They're getting better. They're currently in fifth in the Honduras Premier League. I don't even know what it's called, not to be rude, but they lost 5-0 to Vancouver last night. Tons of goals from Vancouver in the second half. It was only 1-0 at halftime. Uh, Blackman got a goal. Raposo got a goal. Garcia on goal. Vaiti goal. And a white goal as well. So it was a lot of fun. How did the other MLS teams do? I don't think they fared quite as well as what Vancouver did. Yeah. Austin lost 3-0 to Violet. I believe it's pronounced. Orlando got a draw against Tigris, which I believe is a good result. I'm not familiar with all this yet, but I am learning. Philadelphia Union also drew against Alianza, who is from... Where are they from? El Salvador. And then who is the other one? Ah, yes. LAFC will be playing tonight. Maybe I'll watch that one against LD... Alaju Lens. I probably mess that up pretty bad. But if, if you're an Alien Alaju Lens fan, <laughs> let me know. They're a Costa Rican team. But anyway, it was a lot of fun actually watching that yesterday. So I think I'll try and tune in a little bit more to some CONCACAF Champions League and familiarize myself with the more popular teams in the North American area. early in the morning here. No, it's not that early. It's 9, 12 a.m. I was just sipping on my coffee. Anyways, Champions League. So here's what we're going to talk about. Let's just get a few notes out of the way before we dive into the the nitty gritty of it. Benfica absolutely embarrassed Club Bruges. There is, there is no argument for or against it. That is what happened. And I don't think we need to do a deep dive on it because... One, this is not something that was unexpected. I fully expected Benfica to absolutely roll Club Bruges, which they did. I believe the final aggregate was 7-1. Yep, 7-1. Club Bruges just weren't up for the challenge. And blame it on Scott Parker, which we'll get into in a second. But if you actually look at the Champions League last few games, Drew nil nil. To buy a lave, accuse him. Only managed one shot goal that match. Lost 4-0 to Porto at home. And then drew 0-0 to Atletico Madrid. The first three games of the tournament went absolutely fantastic for them. Beating Atletico Madrid. Beating Porto. And obviously beating Bayern lave, accuse him. They didn't allow a goal until they lost 4-0. To Porto at home. But the shine kind of wore off. And then, obviously, it wasn't going so well in the league. I believe they were sitting in mid-table-ish. Then you get Benfica in the Champions League, who just finished first in their group of head of PSG and Juventus. I'm a cabbie high for, I suppose. But I just, I just never saw it happen. A lot of people were blaming Scott Parker, and it's probably fair. I believe he, he managed 12 matches for them, only managed two wins. Had a big loss on over the weekend too before this uh, before this match against Benfica. And now he's been sacked, which is not surprising. I mean, he was probably not good enough for that job anyway. He'd already lost 9-0 to Liverpool this season. 
I just realized Liverpool have won two games this season, 9-0 and 7-0. Wow, that is remarkable. Good for them. So, yeah, it's not that surprising about Club Bruges. What's next for them? Well, I think this was just really good that they were able to go on this run in the Champions League and give their fans something to celebrate and something to hope for. Were they ever going to win the Champions League? More than likely not. Next, they have Standard Liège. If you remember them, they were they went on some good Europa League runs. That's where Marouane Fellaini came from. There was a couple other Belgian players that came through there too. I just can't remember off the top of my head, but they're not who they used to be. But there's obviously a big talking point on Club Bruges that we all want to recognize, and that is Tejon Buchanan. Buchanan actually had the assist yesterday on uh, on Club Bruges' lone goal. But it's not been really easy for them. But he is playing He's playing 90 minutes every single game. So the only games he hasn't played 90 minutes since coming back from the World Cup has been two games. One game he played 78 minutes. The other game he played 89. Sorry, there's more than two. I don't know why I said two. There is like five, to be honest with you. <laughs> And then he also played 81 minutes, grabbed an assist in that game in a 2-2 draw against the other Bruges team, the Bruges derby. And there you go. He's playing a lot. People are asking him to, to get out of that club and everything. It's like, no, let's just, let's settle down for a second. Tejon Buchanan is doing completely fine with Club Bruges. It's a good competitive league. He's with a team that'll likely get European football most seasons which isn't that what you want for a player on your national team that's kind of developing and getting better. This is the first season he's had in Europe where he's thriving and he's playing every single match. There was some links to Inter Milan. Yeah, that's probably not too bad for him to go to Syria, but you don't want to jump the gun either. You don't want him to go there and just ride the bench because then when Canada need him at the Gold Cup this summer and also the Copa America, you're going to want him to be to have been playing every single weekend. And that's what he's doing right now in Club Bruges. So let's just let's just pump the brakes a little bit. We're all just looking at Club Bruges as the team that just got battered 5-1 by Benfica. And I get it. But this is a successful club. Not always in the Champions League. This is the first time, obviously, they've been to the knockout stage of the Champions League. But this is a good club, and he, he's going to be good there. So I think he'll be, he'll be fine. Club Bruges currently in fourth in the Belgian League. Quite far off the top. 21 points off the top, but I believe they do some kind of playoff. Yeah, championship playoff, which is the top four teams. But anyway, Scott Parker's gone. And we don't have to worry about him anymore. Scott Parker is a very good championship manager. He's got Fulham promoted. He's got Bournemouth promoted. If I'm a championship team and I'm looking to get up, I can't, I don't know any off the top of my head where could possibly be openings like the other day for example Watford just sacked their manager and, and uh, hired Chris Wilder who was the Sheffield United manager when Sheffield United had a good season in the Premier League finished like eighth or whatever it was top 10 finish that would have been a good position for him to be honest so yeah if I was a championship club I'd be looking at Scott Parker as somebody as an option to to get my to get my team back to the big time so we'll see. We'll see. I think I can't imagine he'll get a job the rest of the season because 
I mean, you've been sacked twice in one season. It's not, it's not exactly a good look on the resume, but Scott Parker's managerial career is not over because he, there is some leagues he can manage in. You just got to kind of give managers time to 12 games. Isn't exactly enough, but I understand it from a club Bruges perspective. As for Benfica, it's obviously going to get more difficult for them as they go here, but they are absolutely thriving right now. Obviously, 5-1 against Club Bruges. They haven't lost a game since December 30th. So that was post-World Cup. I think that might have been the first match back from the World Cup. Yeah, looks like it was the first match back from the World Cup. They lost to Braga 3-0. How was the squad that day? Yeah, relatively strong. Yeah, they had most of their players in, but they lost 3-0 to Braga. But since then, they've just been on a tear. Drew 2-2 against Sporting. Yeah, beat Club Bruges. There you go. There's not a lot of competition in the Portuguese leagues. You kind of got to beat the the teams around you, like Porto, Braga, Sporting, are kind of the, the big four. But they're currently first in uh, Liga Portugal. 62 points, 23 games played, lost one game, which was that Braga game. So they're looking pretty. I'm curious to see who they'll get in the second round and how they'll handle it all. Caroline actually just did a video the other weekend on YouTube of kind of the the next wave of Benfica players that are coming through, which is very good to watch and gives you a good idea of what what they do and how they get it all done and all that kind of stuff. So the players, obviously, that are coming through as well. But Ramos is one people... uh, People got to know him at the World Cup, didn't they? He's going to be a very good player. I like him a lot. Let's see how old he is. 21 years old. 21. It's amazing that these clubs like Benfica, obviously you could even throw the other three Portuguese teams in there, Porto, Braga, Sporting, and you go over to the Dutch League with Ajax, and there's also other other teams, like even in the Premier League, teams like... Southampton have done a good job of developing players over the year, and that's kind of where they're at right now. But essentially, I remember, I think it was um, Marco Overmars, who is the sporting director of Ajax, said, when we get money from these players that we sell, we don't go out and buy the next big thing. He's like, we just make the next big thing. So we put that money into our academy, which then helps bring more revenue to the club because we're developing more and more players and then more and more players go. So it's a good philosophy. It's clearly working for them. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The most controversial team in Europe. That's probably not fair to say. (laughs) But Chelsea, they're not controversial really at all. They just... Actually, they definitely are. They spend a shit ton of money on not to win football matches. But they've won two in a row now. I think they beat Leeds over the weekend. They beat Leeds. And in a three-game losing streak and a six-game winless streak. It is amazing that this team just does not have a striker. I can't believe it. Caroline and I would talk about this on Kickback too earlier in the season. And I would always say, and I mean, this is the most obvious statement ever. Chelsea literally do not have a striker. And until they have a striker, they will not win anything. Because they just can't score goals. They bought Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who has been absolutely useless for them. Kai Havertz does his best. He's just not that guy. He's better behind... Kind of behind the striker, sit a little lower. He's a good top man, I suppose. But five goals this season is a high scorer in the Premier League. Which is him. Which is Kai Havertz. Then it's Sterling with four. It's amazing that they've spent so much money and just don't have a striker to show for it. But with that said, they scored two goals in this match against Dortmund and won two now. Kai Havertz scored. Raheem Sterling scored. And also, we got a new uh, a new way to say a name. Jao Felix, I believe. He's a very good player to watch. Mr. Felix. Do you know what else is pretty fun to watch to their own credit? Chelsea. I thought they absolutely ran these two legs. They should have won both games. The first game, they literally just couldn't score. Felix hit the bar, had a good chance. I was saved. There was a couple. There was a free kick, I believe, that was stopped. I can't remember who took it. It might have been Felix again. But Dortmund, one, didn't have the same goalie. Kobayel was on the bench for this one. Meyer started the game. 31-year-old Alexander Meyer started in goal for, for Dortmund. To his credit, he did pretty well. He did all right. There wasn't a lot he could do. But there's obviously a big talking point in this one. And let's do it. Let's talk about it. The penalty. The penalty that was taken back for encroachment of the players running into the box. And so Kai Havertz missed, hit the post, goalie dived the wrong way, right off the post, cleared by the Dortmund player. And then next thing you know, it got blown back because of the encroachment. And when you look... The first players into the box are the Chelsea players. I think it was Chilwell and then whoever was on the right. They're both pretty obviously, at least the one on the far, 
were the players in the box first. However, there was also like four, five Dortmund players that were buried into the box with them too. And they cleared the ball before Havertz had a chance. So Jude Bellingham had some quotes that were basically saying like, it was ridiculous that, paraphrasing a little bit, ridiculous that it was a penalty on Wolf. First of all, it's like, oh, well, it hit his hand. And it was ridiculous that it was called back, but he's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to comment because I've already been fined a lot of money for commenting on the refs. It's like, well, you already commented. So there you have it. I think this is the right decision. You can't go in the box. It's simple as that. Whether you like it or not, the rule is you can't go in the box until the ball has been kicked. Well, I don't think Kavos was hot. Kai Havis was halfway to the ball before everyone had dived into the box to try and, try and get the rebound if you're a Chelsea fan or, a, uh, sorry, Chelsea player or a Dortmund player. It was illegal. It was illegal within the rules of football. So thought it was a good call. Have it stepped up, buried the second penalty right into the same corner that he tried to get it in last time. I think that was 2-0 Chelsea at that point. Yep, 2-0. That was the second goal. The first goal, man, Raheem Sterling. <laughs> he is, he makes me laugh because boy, oh boy, does he lead you on. He is one, he is a catfish. You ever go on Tinder or Bumble or whatever your, whatever your dating app is. And you go through and you're like, oh, it's a nice looking person. And next thing you know, you start swiping through the pictures. Oh my goodness, maybe not. That's what Raheem Sterling's like. He's going to get in all these positions with his pace. He's going to sprint in one-on-one with a goalie. Then he's going to pull up and everyone's going to just barrel around him or he's going to slice the ball off to the left. And he's just going to do all this stuff that isn't put the ball in the back of the net. And he scores a lot. Especially for England. Like, he actually gets himself in good positions. Like, it was funny. A Euro 2020, I think he was the only one who scored the first two or three games, wasn't he? Scored the opener against Croatia. He obviously had that goal against Germany as well. I can't remember. He led the team or whatever it was, I think. He had a few. Whatever. But he could have probably had about 20 more. And that's just what, and I felt the same way watching him against Dortmund the other day too, because that scenario where I talked about him getting in that position, sprinting up to the, sprinting up with a ball, getting to the edge of the box. And all of a sudden you just start slowing down, pulling up and instead of taking the shot. And now all these Dortmund players are around him. He doesn't get it. And on his goal, it comes across, I can't remember across it. Maybe it was Chilwell from that side, uh, Kukure, whatever, whoever it was. And he goes to shoot the ball first time. Absolutely bumbles it up. Bumbles it. Yep. Bumbles it up. And just, I was like, oh my goodness, you you look silly. And then, wow. Absolutely hammered it into the back of the net. Pretty sure the net broke. Allegedly. Probably not. But great finish. Great finish from Sterling. Great finish from Kai Havertz. And Chelsea are into the round of eight now, the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which I am happy about because I like Graham Potter. I'm a Graham Potter supporter. I believe he de- deserves the opportunity to to let sell in, let his team come together. This bought a lot of players. It's going to take a while to get it through. And I can't remember, I think it was Jason Cundy on TalkSport who, I know, sometimes talks some BS, but he said, he's like, we're having one bad season 
and his example was Tottenham. He's like, every single year Tottenham go through this stuff. He's like, we do it every 10 years. He's like, we haven't really had a season like this for a while. So he's like, just stick with the process of, of Graham Potter and go through it. And he's right. Champions League is probably out of the picture unless you win the competition, which you can. There's definitely enough talent. And by the time the next leg comes around, maybe your team's a little bit stronger and you can advance a little bit further into the semifinals, finals, lift the trophy again. But Premier League, who cares? Just come together as a club. Just come together as a team. Potter's a good manager. We've seen it with Brighton. Chelsea are currently in 10th with 34 points. Five points, what's that? 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. Eight points off fifth, which is Liverpool. 11 points off fourth, which is Tottenham. Champions League is out of the question, more than likely. Maybe you can sneak into the Europa League. Fulham at 30, 39 points, you have a match in hand. We'll see. But if you're a Chelsea fan, I get it. You're a club that wants all this success. You're used to it. You want it. Hey, I'm with you. I understand, but let the process play out. Dortmund now, you weren't in either of these two games. You were lucky you won the first match, but you're also first in the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich, both at 49 points. What do you got coming up here? They've been winning a lot. Actually, um, it was funny, was... Made a funny TikTok. During the World Cup, Dortmund lost to Vietnam in a friendly and was noticed it and he won't let it go. But since then, I believe they've won every single match since. This is the first match they've lost in league competition since, uh, sorry, league or cup, European Cup competition since November 11th when they lost to Borussia Mönchengladbach 4-2. So there you go. What's next for Dortmund? Schalke, away, Cologne, home, and then Bayern Munich on April 1st. So tune in for that one. Maybe we'll um, we'll try and get a Bundesliga guest. The The Bundesliga is shaping out just nicely this year. We, actually, we have a title race. Bayern Munich kind of battered Union Berlin the other day. So they might be out of it now, but Union Berlin's five points back of top. And the relegation battle is very interesting. Barkham, Schalke, Hoffenheim, Stuttgart, all on 19 points. So it's your bottom four. And Hertha Berlin are on 20. Hoffenheim. <laughs> Go look at what has happened to Hoffenheim because they have fallen from grace. They were a Champions League club not too long ago. They were in the Champions League spots this season. I believe within the first 10 games of the season, they were in the Champions League spot. And they, they have not been winning at all recently either. Their last win. So they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven in a row, including including a cup loss. But they haven't won since. Boy, oh boy, am I scrolling here. They haven't won since October 14th against Schalke when they beat them 3-0 away. They had a great start to the season. So lost to Mucin Gladbach to start the year. Okay, whatever. Mucin Gladbach's a good team. Beat Barkham, beat Leverkusen, beat Augsburg, lost to Dortmund. It's been tough. It's been tough. But anyway, let's move through the next one. Let's just go back to Germany. Bayern Munchen. 
Bayern Munchen. Bayern Munich to most of us. 2-0 over PSG. PSG, no Neymar. He's done for the rest of the season. I saw some people actually giving Neymar some criticism. I get it. Since coming back from the World Cup, he's not been fantastic. But let's not forget, he basically looked like he had broken his ankle in that first match for them, for Brazil at the World Cup. Came back and played. Was pretty good. Was a pretty good player. Stepped up. Scored some good goals. Come back. Reaggravates that same ankle. Done for the season. Let's just assume that he was still <laughs> from the World Cup and wasn't able to find his form. He was arguably one of the best three players in the world going into that World Cup. Him, Messi. Honestly, probably not even Mbappe at that point. After the World Cup, obviously, Mbappe. But Erling Haaland for me. That was probably your big three. That was your Ballon d'Or three. Obviously, now it's probably Mbappe and Messi that are going for at the moment. But yeah, no Neymar in this one. So that'll put a dampener on it. But they did have Mbappe back. I called him the most impactful player in the world after that first match against Bayern Munich. We did not see much impact in this match at all. 5.6 rating on foot mob. Expected goals of 2.28. So zero. He just wasn't very good at all. Did he even have a shot? He had four shots on goal. Had the least touches of any outfield player in 90 minutes of play. It's not good. And it's not a, it's not a good look for, for PSG either. The first goal, I don't know what Verratti was doing. Just absolutely dismantled on the edge of the box trying to dribble it out. And I know that's kind of, you live by that and you die by it. But boy, oh boy, did they die from it. Because it wasn't good, and it was a poor, poor play selection. There was obviously the goal line clearance from Delict. I think if that was an actual striker, like if that was Mbappe or Messi, that might have gone in the back of the net. But just wasn't. it just wasn't enough power on it. It wasn't actually a great shot. It was kind of right where Delict would want it. Delict played well. The whole back line played well. Jan Sommer well, would have made that big mistake on, on the goal potential goal that the league saved but it was all good figured its way out but the biggest issue Marquinhos obviously left the game early too for PSG which is not good Bayern Munich also had a goal booked out where they said Thomas Muller touched the ball I'm not convinced either him or Chupamote either of them touched the ball so yeah, that was a bit of a wrong one, but either way, he didn't come back and bite buy, buy Munich in the ass at all. Jan Sommer also had that big save against Sergio Ramos. I believe that would have been at 2-0 at that point. So, or maybe it was only one. I can't remember, but kind of a bit too far gone for PSG at that point. But for me, the biggest difference, and I believe we spoke about it on that one episode, the depth, PSG have no depth at all. You look at the, these are the players Bayern Munich brought onto the pitch. Leroy Sané, Mane, Jao Cancelo, Cancelo, whatever, Serge Gnabry. I would tell you the players that PSG brought on, but one, I don't know half of them. And two, I don't know how to say half of them. So I'll just give you a couple. 
Bernat, Juan Bernat, who's a 30-year-old left back from Spain. He's been on the national team, I think. Yeah, 11 times for Spain. I actually played for Bayern Munich too, funnily enough. And Zari Emery, who's 17 years old. The ages of their other players they brought on, Nordi Mukele, 25-year-old right back, who they actually brought on and subbed off for Marquinhos. And they brought on a 17-year-old, 17-year-old. And then their other player was Hugo Ekiteki, 20 years old. Yep, I can see why Bayern Munich won this match. It's not that surprising. PSG just don't have any squad depth. They don't have any talent coming from the bench like Bayern Munich do. And even the other teams as well, like Chelsea's substitutes that game were, were way better than anything that Bayern Munich, uh, sorry, PSG could put together. Conor Gallagher, Loftus-Cheek, Pulisic, and Zakaria, which isn't even that outstanding, but it's way better. They're established professional players. Even look at Dortmund. Gio Reyna came off the bench for them. It's just not there for them. It is just, they're a million miles away right now. We spoke to, actually, we spoke to Ian Holliman about it, and he said the same thing. He's like, they're obviously trying to build their identity a bit more of, we develop players here at PSG, but I think they've gone way too deep with it. Way too deep. You can't expect to win the Champions League when you bring in 17, 18, 19-year-olds off the bench in massive matches in Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena when you're down 2-0. I just... It's not a recipe for success. PSG is trending in the wrong direction. They're lucky they're in the league that they're in. They're very lucky they're in the league that they're in. They're currently in first place with 63 points. Marseille, 55 in second. Monaco, 51 in third. So that's what I'll say about that match. I'm disappointed in PSG. I was, I like watching them. That starting 11 is very fun to watch, especially when the three-headed monster in Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar are in the squad. But we won't be seeing that for a while, so no need to worry. The final match. We'll go to North London, or back to London. Tottenham Hotspur versus AC Milan. Well, Tottenham, it's another year of no trophies. And I'm sorry, because you're not as bad as people make you seem over these years. Consistent Champions League club, good world-class players. It is kind of ridiculous you don't win trophies, which I guess is why people mock them so much. But again, nothing for them. Conte's back on the bench, and they draw nil-nil at home against AC Milan in a Champions League game they needed to win. I just saw... A stack. I think it was around 147 matches since their last nil-nil draw at home, which was against Swansea when they were in the Premier League. So that can take you back however far. 2012 seems familiar, but maybe that's too many matches. I can't remember. I guess if you would likely play 18 home matches a season, 19 home matches, sorry. Yeah, something like that anyway. Either way, you didn't win. You're out of the Champions League. AC Milan advances to the Champions League quarterfinal stage for the first time in a while. Good for them. It's nice to see AC Milan come back and they've got a good squad. Tomori basically had Harry Kane in his pocket the entire match. Should England have taken Tomori to the World Cup? Probably. 
But that's a different discussion. He'll go to the next one, maybe. Unless he chooses to become Canadian like a lot of people want him to be. I'm not one of those people. But Tottenham. I'm just going to kind of... Kind of, kind of... Kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, chameleon. There you go. <laughs> I just want to talk about Tottenham quickly and then we'll kind of put a bow on this thing. When are they, When is Conte going to figure it out there? Because, yes, it's just... So they beat Chelsea at home. 2-0. Skip and Kane get goals. Massive result. You, bet, you get Chelsea at a poor time. Beat West Ham the week before that. Lose to Leicester. But then you beat City. So they're finally winning big games to an extent. Nil-nil draw at home. You're also down to 10 men because Cristiano Romero can't figure it out and take his ego out and just put the team ahead of it and he gets a red card. So that's good. So sorry, following the Chelsea game, you lose to Wolves in the league, 1-0. And then you lose to Sheffield United when you play an extremely weakened squad. Sheffield United got Blackburn Rovers in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Now, there's no disrespect to, to Blackburn. But come on. That could have been you. You could have been one match away from a semi-final of the FA Cup. And here's the remaining teams. So you have Brighton and Grimsby. Okay. Fulham and Manchester United. City and Burnley. It's right there for you if you wanted it. But Tottenham didn't want it. And I, I'm curious to know what people think. I think the jury's out on Antonio Conte. I personally can't see him there in August next season. Like, I believe his contract's out in June. He's just a very strange manager. He signs all these players in the summer. Like You look at some of the players they brought in. Like Jed Spence, for example. He doesn't even play for them anymore. He's playing in League Room with Nice, I believe, now. I oh, Sorry, Rounds. Richarlison never plays. He had a very interesting quote, actually. Basically came out and said, I play well against I played well against Chelsea. And it was one of the match in there too. And now like my minutes have just gone away. Essentially, he was just like, It's hard to be motivated when you never play. Or when you earn the minutes and you don't play. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. They spent how much on him? 60 million. No Premier League goals all this season. He had more goals at the World Cup than he did for Tottenham this season. So I'm curious about Tottenham. I think they've got a lot of good players. I think they need another center midfielder, someone who can actually like hold possession. The big three hasn't shown up for them this season. Son has been a massive letdown. Five goals for Son this season. Three of them came in one game against Leicester. Harry Kane is carrying the workload there. Call him what you want. He's a world-class football player who is just doesn't get the support. Should Harry Kane leave Tottenham? I would say yes. I think he should leave Tottenham. I don't know where he should go. Maybe Real Madrid's an option. Benzema's getting up there in age. I think he's 34 now. Maybe Bayern Munich. I know Bayern Munich's been linked to him. I think that'd be a fantastic spot for him. I don't think there's a spot in the premiership he would go to. Unless Chelsea came knocking. Chelsea do need a striker. Manchester United, does Marcus Rashford go out on the left and you have Harry Kane down the middle? 
I don't know. It's a few options, but I think it's best for Harry Kane's career that he is no longer with Tottenham Hotspur. There you have it. If it's a club that you think he should go to, let me know. Or if you don't think he should leave. If you think there's a way Tottenham can figure this out with Harry Kane, let me know. What have they got next? They're actually like, they're fourth in the premiership with a 45 points. Liverpool, 25 games played. Tottenham have 26. Have 42 points. Are they good there? It's an interesting case. <laughs> I guess when you look at it like that, they should have beat AC Milan. But also, you take away the names. They were what last season? The fourth place team in the, in the Premiership? Yeah. Fourth place team in the Premiership against Serie A winners, AC Milan. You probably give the benefit of the doubt to AC Milan to figure it out. The champions of Italy. But obviously we just judge Tottenham very harshly, which is fair. They, they've definitely earned it for what it's worth. So we'll see. We will see what's happening. What have we got in the Europa League today? Some good matches. Sporting Arsenal, Rome, Real Sociedad. Juventus, Freiburg, United, Real Madrid. Oh, sorry. Real Betis. I love the Europa League. I think it's just fantastic. Some of these clubs you don't see every, every single year in the Champions League, obviously. And he's ballying out in the Europa League. Conference League is going tonight, too. There's not really a ton going on there. And I like Villarreal. Now, that used to be a hell of a matchup. Now, obviously, LAFC, like we said off the top. And I know why you're all here. And it's the Bolton Wanderers update. Not a great result over the weekend. For the Trotters, nil-nil against Morecambe. Morecambe aren't very good. I believe they're right at the bottom of the league. Yep, they're in a relegation spot. Bolton f- dropped in the league. With the issue we have is, we Bolton have so many... Ma- like, Bolton have played 36 games. Barnsley are above them. Who They're equal on points. Played 33 be interesting to see where they're at when all the uh, all the games come together. There's a reason they all play the same amount of games, obviously. Bolton, 63 points in fifth. Barnsley, 63 in fourth. Ipswich, 69. Nice. In third. All in my playoff spots. Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday. Both have 74. Sheffield Wednesday, two matches in hand. So we'll see. See what happens. Bolton also lost to Portsmouth last week, too, after winning 1-0. But... Good run of games for Bolton coming up. Ipswich at home on Saturday. I would call that one a must win. That'll be a big one for them. They do need to grab three points there. Then Friday, 1.45 p.m. Mountain Time, which I believe would be quick time change, man. 7.45 p.m. Manchester time, Bolton time. I don't know. UK time, I think it is. That's on Friday, the 17th. And then we have the EFL Trophy final at Wembley against Plymouth Argyle. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And before we go, let's take a quick peek over at Betway. Basically, any league in the world you want to look at. Betway has got it locked in for you. Used to be 19 to bet with Betway. So always bet responsibly. So what do we got here? Arsenal. 
Away favourites at Sporting. Sporting plus 250 to win. That's an interesting little spot there. I wouldn't rule out Sporting. Just being at home, there might be something. Also a pretty good value too, plus 110. What else we got going on? Where's the Premier League? Ba -ba -da -ba. Premier League football for this weekend. Liverpool heavy favourite against Bournemouth. Won't be looking at that one. Everton plus 170 at home against Brentford, who are plus 180. Brighton. Me, 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 me. Chelsea even money against Leicester at home. Away, sorry. There might be something to look at there. West Ham plus 120 at home against Aston Villa. Yeah, there's some good odds there. Go take a look over at Batway. 19 plus. Please bet responsibly. And this is where I will leave you for another week. Next week, we'll see what we can do. More Champions League. Maybe we'll just do a similar episode to this. And then the week after, when there's no Champions League, I'll try and find someone. I would like to talk to someone about the Bundesliga a little bit more. There's also the Canadian Premiership, which is starting soon, which we will definitely be doing some work on because it's important that we talk about that league that's right here in our own back door. So let's get on that soon. And until then, farewell, my friends, and I will see you all next week. You can follow me on Twitter at Liam Horobin, Instagram at Liam Pods, Liam Dot Pods, and also follow the 90th Minute wherever on social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. If you just type in the 90th Minute, you'll find us one way or another. So again, farewell and good night.